Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to come together and to worship and bless your name. We thank you for those that have taken time out of their schedule to come and worship with us. We thank you for the prayers that have been prayed, the songs that have been sung. And Father, now as we look into your word, we ask that you will touch our hearts, our minds, and our spirits, that we will apply your word and that we will live by it and that we will be examples of it to everyone we shall encounter. We thank you and we honor you for it all. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So now we are now at the third episode of our series, Nothing Will. And if you remember, we went through uh, talking about how persecution can't separate us. The thought of eternal life can't separate us. And now we are on the third one. And I think what we're going to discuss today is going to be very pertinent to how not only can we minister to others, but how we minister to ourselves. We're going to be in Romans, the 8th chapter, 38th through the 39th verse, which is our uh, foundational scripture. And then we're going to jump over to Psalms 139th. And we're going to go through the first 14 verses of that set of scriptures. Romans, the 8th chapter, the 38th, through the 39th verse says this, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor death can sep- nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And we talked about how Paul in that 8th chapter had brought up all these things that he had gone through and his kind of conclusion is that there's nothing that has the ability to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord and so we talked about neither death nor life we talked about nor things present nor things to come and today we want to look at neither height nor depth. And when we talk about something being high or something being deep, we talk about this, get the mental picture of something that has expanse or has a greatness, has a large capacity. And one of the things that came to mind when we start thinking about that is how there is a prevalence of being in the midst of a whole lot of people and yet feeling alone. Feeling as if you are the only one. And so today I want to take a few minutes just to talk about loneliness and how loneliness will try to separate us or cause us to feel as if we are separated from the love of God. But I want to encourage you that that is not the case. So if we were to define the word loneliness, it would come to the following definitions. Being without company, not having folks around you, being alone. Another definition is to be cut off from others. We've heard of in prisons they have this thing called 
solitary confinement where there's an isolation of people. So when we look at this word alone, it brings out the connotation of you being separate, you being isolated from others. And one of the points I want to bring out about that is that whatever God has set up as the way to do things, the devil has the opposite. So God wants us to be unified. God wants us to take care of one another. The devil wants us to be isolated and be alone and to be feeling as if everything has failed. And so as we look at how this falls out, we can see that it's very easy in today's society, in today's, today's environment, to feel that we are isolated. Now I understand, yes I do understand that we can talk to folks all over the world at any time of the day. I remember growing up when we didn't ever heard of, have even heard of a facsimile machine, which you know we call a fax machine. Some of y'all don't even know what a fax machine is. I remember when a fax machine was based off of off of a, they, they call them thermal fax machines. One of the first things where it would actually heat the paper to cause the letters on it. Then it became a little bit more advanced and it actually typed it on there. But the one thing that we discovered is that as we get more advanced, we actually lose time. And what I mean by that, back in the day, You know, I, I came up right when they, they invented the telephone. And so you would listen for a certain amount of rings. And you knew that you were the seventh ring. So when you heard it ring seven times, you knew it was your turn to pick up the phone. However, we had back in that day what they called the party line, where everybody could get on the phone. And then you would just say, hey, I'm trying to talk to John Brown. And John said, oh, here I am. Then everybody else would know to get off the phone. That was back when I was growing up in my day. And as time started going on, it got more to then you could then you could pay a little extra and you could get the part. I mean, the private line. And then they came out with this cellular phone. And I remember one of the first cellular phones was about as big as what they called a brick that goes on your house. And you had the brick phone and it was to so we could be more together so that we could talk more but what it ended up causing is isolation it caused separation yeah I'm talking to you but I'm not there with you and now if you look today we have all these conveniences of the cell phone that we keep right by our bed and it stays on all the time and somebody can call you early in the morning like three o'clock in the morning somebody can call you late at night, like at 11 o'clock at night, and it's always on. But even having all these abilities to connect, you can still feel lonely. We talk about how the maximum amount of friends that you can have on Facebook, and I forgot to do my air quotes at that time, but, you know, the friends that you could have on Facebook is 5,000. 
You can have 5,000 friends on Facebook, but the definition of friends from when I came up and the definition of friends as it pertains to Facebook is two different things. When I came up, we, our friend was the one that would come over to the house and uh, early in the morning and y'all would go outside and be away from the house until the street lights came on when you had to be in the house. And you would hang out with each other. You would know each other. You would have this relationship with each other. Now today is somebody that you click a little thing on and it says, I like that. That's my friend or someone that you get a little indication that it's their birthday because you didn't remember it but because it reminded you it's your birthday you can say happy birthday so all these things all these so-called conveniences do not provide a venue by which you have this interaction with one another and so there is a Somebody wrote and said, loneliness is a growing problem in our society. A study by the American Council of Life Insurance reported that the most lonely group in America are college students. That's surprising. Next on the list are divorced people, welfare recipients, single mothers, rural students, housewives, and the elderly. To point out how lonely people can be, Charles Swindoll mentioned an ad in Kansas newspaper. It read, I will listen to you talk for 30 minutes without comment for $5. Swindoll said, sounds like a hoax, doesn't it? But the person was serious. Did anybody call? Yes, indeed. It wasn't long before this individual was receiving 10 to 20 calls a day. The pain of loneliness was so sharp that some were willing to try anything for a half hour of companionship. Loneliness is an issue. Another person wrote, wrote this story, and I, I, I thought it was, it was interesting to me, so I'm going to talk about it. So recent news stories have reported about research suggesting loneliness can affect the quality of life and the quantity of years. One study from the Archives of Internal Medicine says that even feeling lonely may increase the risk of premature death. One study of neither 45,000 people said those who lived alone were more likely to die of heart attack and stroke than those who had companionship. Being alone increased the risk of heart issues and death by 24% among people ages 45 to 65. I'm almost in that group. And by 12% among people ages 66 to 80. There may be some simple explanation for this. For instance, a contributing factor may well be that people who live alone don't eat well and don't have a person reminding them to take their medicine. But that is not the whole story. A second study suggests that even feeling lonely has a negative effect on health. This study focused on people 60 and over and revealed that men and women were 45% more likely to die during the time frame that was studied if they reported feeling lonely. It also reported that people who felt lonely were not always literally alone. This all suggests a part the church community can play in helping others be healthier and happier. 
One final thing. While it's true that suicide attempts tend to drop off just before and during the holidays, there's a significant uptick in suicide rates following Christmas, a 40% uptick. According to one large Danish study, Christmas itself seems to have a protective effect with regards to certain types of psychopathology, says researchers, but there's a significant rebound effect immediately following the holiday. So as we look at this, we have more folks on this earth. We have more ways to communicate. We have more ways to be in contact with one another, but yet people still feel lonely. One of the things that I was just telling someone today, I said, you know, loneliness is not a location. Loneliness is a perception. And so sometimes we think that when we're standing someplace and there's nothing around us that we're alone. But that, that, that doesn't have to be. The, you can be in a group of people. Have, some of us have been uh, surrounded by folks. We could be at a party. We could be at a great celebration. And in the midst of that celebration, we could feel alone. We could feel isolated. I ain't got nothing in common with these folks. I don't even know why I'm here. And so we begin to isolate ourselves. We lose connection. But I want to bring up all that so I can get to this 139th book of Psalms. Because David went through the same type of thing where he began to perceive that he was all alone. He had Saul chasing him. The king of the country was chasing him with plans of killing him. Ran him off. Every time he goes someplace, Saul would show up and run him off. And he was constantly being showing love towards Saul, but Saul was still coming after him. And he started feeling sorry for himself. And then he goes and writes the 139th Psalm. And so I want to hit you with this, and then we're going to call it a day. It says, listen to what David says. He says, in the first verse, he says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. English Standard Version. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a single word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness will cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark 
to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward part. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Remember what I said. I said that loneliness is not a location. It is a perception. And David is realizing, he's actually encouraging himself, saying, when I think about it, I am never alone when you are in my life. And I say that to bring out the point that when we lose sight that God has this all under control, it becomes easy for the enemy to come in and cause us to feel as if we are isolated. But David brings out the fact, he says, wherever I go, you're there. Wherever I travel, you're there. When I think I'm in my darkest location, you are there. Even to you, what I think is darkness, you still have light. You still are able to bring a, a, a perception or a way to see things that can provide hope. And so when we look at this example of what David was going through and how he felt isolated, but he looked at who his help came from. And he knew that his help would come from the Lord, but he had to acknowledge that the help was there for him. And so because he acknowledged that the help was there, he was able to encourage himself. And if you look at, I love the part where he, he's going through all these things. And then in that 13th verse, he says, but you formed my inward parts. You know everything about me. He says, you put me together in my, in my mother's womb. And then he says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He says, wonderfully are your works. My soul knows it well. I just want to encourage us today and just remind everyone about this fact that you are not alone. That if you ever feel alone, it is the enemy coming in trying to isolate you from those that God has called you to be connected with. And when he tries to cause you to not to no longer be connected with, it is because he knows that God has set you up for a blessing. He has set you up or positioned you to shine his glory through you. And if he can cause you not to be in the right position, then guess what? You will miss out on the blessing. And not only will you miss out on the blessing, as we talked about earlier, that you are blessed in order to be a blessing to someone else. So it causes this chain effect whereby others can be affected by you not being in the right position. So at that moment that you feel that you are isolated, I want you to refer back to Psalms 139 and realize that no matter where you go, no matter what you do, God 
is there. Sometimes he's walking with you. Sometimes he's talking with you. Sometimes he's telling you that this is not the location you need to be in, but to go ahead and go someplace else. But even if we go where he tells us not to go, guess what? He's still right there with you. You know, uh, some, some, you know, because we are human, some of us, uh, especially when you become a parent, sometimes you say, I told you not to do it. And you allow your child to go ahead and do it so they can find out for themselves. But I've always noticed when a parent is doing this, I've seen it in some department stores before where they will say, OK, stay with me. And what does a kid do? They start looking at something else. And the next thing you know, the parent then kind of stepped around the corner and the kids there by themselves. And I love observing the, ch the child because the child usually don't move from that location, but they'll do some neck exercises. And they'll keep looking. They'll keep looking, but they don't move. And then when they realize that they're alone, then they start doing like this. But they kind of stay in that same little spot. And then they'll make the circle a little bit bigger. And then when they really think they're alone, what do they do? They cry out. Mama, Daddy, Mama, Daddy. Or they just start crying. And folks be like, then guess what happens? Help starts showing up. Folks, they don't even know you. Other parents be like, you okay? I can't find my mom. I can't find my dad. And then what did they do? They start helping them look. The same thing with God. Sometimes we need to just cry out and say, God, I feel like I'm isolated. I'm feeling like I'm alone. And as we cry out to him, he starts letting us know that he's there with us. He's there for us. He'll send a, 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 a text message now since we do that a lot. A text message. Somebody will text you and say, hey, I'm thinking about you. Are you okay? That's part of the reason why we started the instantaneous uh, outreach because we wanted to make sure that folks always felt that they were a part. Because if you don't feel a part of something, it's very easily to feel isolated. Now, to add back to my little thing of talking about the kid being in the store and getting disconnected, the other thing that I have seen is where the parent is right there where if they would look, instead of giving up, the parent is like standing on the other side, just watching them watch them. And they just kind of, they look up and they're like, huh. And you see the relief come over the child when they realize that my parent was just right there. Now, I'm not going to go into the part that's going to happen when they catch up with their parent and they're going to get in trouble for disconnecting. But uh, I want to bring out the fact that as you do that with your child or have observed that with another child, that is the same way that the father is with us. All he wants us to do is acknowledge him. He says that if we acknowledge him, guess what he'll do? He'll provide you direction that you need. He will always be there with us. He will always be there to comfort us. But how many of us 
know that sometimes children don't want to be comforted. You try to hug on them or something like, oh, no, no, don't be hugging on me right now. You know, I have one of my uh, grandbabies. His favorite thing is to say, because I tease him about being my baby. He says, I'm not a baby. I'm a big boy. And so sometimes we get into that that mindset where we're we're like, well, God, I really don't need you right now because I'm a big boy. I got this. This is a little bit. God, this is a little bit simple for you to do. But then when we get out there all by ourselves, we realize, oh, Lord, I need you right now. And so we have to have that same type of mentality that we always know that he's there. That he's always there to assist us. And that because he's always there to assist us, we can always have the victory. Our whole series has been about nothing will separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So even our perception, even our feelings, anything that will try to separate us from the love of God, we have to realize that it's only because our mind has told us that we're separated. God says he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And because of that, he is always there for us. So as we go throughout the weeks, as we go throughout the school year that's coming up, let us always remember that God is there for us at all times. And if we acknowledge him, he will provide us with direction that we need. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that you are an always there. We thank you that you are Jehovah Shammah, the God that is always present. We thank you, God, for being present in our lives, being present in every circumstance. And when the enemy tries to come in and cause us to feel like we're isolated, we can look to you and you will provide us with direction and the victory. So we thank you, God, that we don't have to be or live with a mindset of being isolated and separate, but that we can know that your hand is upon us and that you are using us for your glory. As long as we are staying and adhering to your word and your declaration in our lives. So, Father, we thank you. We honor you that nothing will separate us, that we will be all that you have called us to be, and that we will example you to everyone that we shall encounter. We thank you. We honor you for it all. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.